You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast produced by Veteran Strategies and featuring conversations with fascinating and impactful men and women who have shaped our world, our communities, and our history. My name is Robert Vane, Principal of Veteran Strategies, and your host for our discussion. You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, an Indiana-based public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and NFP, a national insurance broker with strong local content. Our podcast is featured on the All Indiana Podcast Network in partnership with Wish TV. You may find Leaders and Legends at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. Thinking of starting a podcast or need to host a public meeting? Let Leaders and Legends LLC be your partner as you look for new ways to communicate your message. Please contact Chris Spangle or me at leadersandlegends.net. And as always, all our podcast interviews are dedicated to the legacy and generosity of P.E. McAllister. Thank you very much for listening to the Leaders and Legends podcast. Our guest today is Debbie Knox, and I couldn't be more thrilled, especially because we're joined by her former set mate, Hall of Famer, Jim Shella. I wrote this lengthy and copy and pasted this rather uh, a flowery introduction for Debbie and then realized that it's all superfluous because everybody knows her and legit everybody loves her, loves you. It was wonderful to see the retirement accolades. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it was very nice. It was very nice. All of them were uh, terrifically earned and you are now, there's three of us sitting at the table, not counting Mr. Allen here, mm-hmm. but we have three Sagamore recipients. Isn't that amazing? That was You have I three, know. Shella? Yeah. I have three. You have three Sagamores? No. Yeah. Really? Yes. Wowzer. I only have one. I only got one. Um, and that was a big deal, too. You need to understand that the, the first one I got from Bob Orr because was spite. Because yeah, I made <laughs> I made fun of how many how many he was handing out, and so he gave me one. <laughs> <laughs> you got one though. Mark Lovers. You yep. got one. Yep. And the last one was from Mike Pence, who was too busy to show up to give it to me. So yeah. so it was at my retirement party, it was off in the corner, and somebody said I took it home like it was the last piece of cake. <laughs> You did. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who did all those referee interviews with you, that's Yo. correct. Uh, November yeah. 29th, 2023 was Debbie's last telecast here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also Debbie Knox Day in Indianapolis. Do you have a Jim Shella Day? Yes. Gosh. November 11th, 2016. November 11th. He remembers 2016. I have a Robert Vane Day. Yeah. My last Debbie day Knox in the mayor's day. office. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you yeah. get all these things? Because he knows all the politicians that, that, that <laughs> want them to like him. So it all come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jim's so sweet because he's, everybody loves him. So yeah. We're going to talk to Debbie about some of the people she interviewed and her career in the media. But I'm going to pass it over the baton to Jim Shella so he can ask questions of Miss Edwardsburg. Mm. And Miss Blossom time. Yeah, at least you got it right. I'm I'm impressed with that. A lot of people go, is it Miss Bean Blossom? Is it Fart Blossom? Is it what kind of blossom is it? So, well, start there. Let's okay. start there because right. you grew up in a in a small town mm-hmm. in Michigan, Ed, oh. Edwardsburg. 
Yes, that's right. Boy, very good, Jim. You've done your homework. I'm um, impressed. All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a small town kid myself. Yep, uh, I know. How, how small was Edwardsburg? Oh, maybe a thousand people. Maybe. Yeah, I got my compatriot here. Yeah, so Leah is very small. Tiny. Well, I lived on a lake and swam all the time and did stuff like that. My dad was a doctor and practiced family practice medicine up there all by himself, and we lived on a lake. That was it. And you were a beauty queen? I don't think it was a beauty queen. I think that I won the contest. Anyway, here we're going right down the worst. What are you talking about? Yeah, so all my friends want to know, at what point did you just become a complete knockout? Ah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, stop it. God. It's embarrassing. So I had to go. The real truth behind that contest is my mother was pushing me to do that. And and I didn't. Which one? Which my, one? My mother. My no. Which contest? The Miss Edwardsburg. So the bottom line on all that was like I didn't want to do it because I just it was the beginning of the women's lib thing. Seventy two one seventy two. Didn't want to do it. My dad came into me. My dad was a dial tone. He never got involved with any of us except <laughs> he, he knew that if he didn't press me into this, he was going to hear it from my mother. So he pushed me. He says, "Listen, if you don't do this." You're going to hear about it for the rest of your life, and I have to hear about it for the rest of your life. So go do it. Just do it for your mothers. That's what it is. But it, it got you used to being on stage. Yes, it did. It did. Mm-hmm. And it got you to Indianapolis. Yes, it did. That's exactly right. It did. Yeah. How? I, I, all of a sudden, you, as that's the kind of the venue that women had back then. You don't have right. sports. You can't become a sports hero. you got certain other areas you could do it. So, yeah, I, I've spoken for the Michigan legislature at 18 years old, and nobody. I realize that nobody listens. You're up there at the lectern, and I had to make a lot of little impromptu speeches and things like that. So it, it gets you thinking but you, on you your you came feet. to the Indianapolis 500 as Miss Blossom. I did. Right? I yeah. did. Miss Blossom. That's right. It was oh, on that's... Channel 8 back when I was 18 years old. With really? Al Unser Jr. Yeah. we did. They used to do a show back then with all the drivers and... I did a show with him. Back so, in, that was back in the day. So in 1972, you were 72. 18? That's right. That's right. And so mm-hmm. that's Donahue. Isn't that Mark Donahue's year that he won? <sighs> oh, see, I didn't get to town until 82. I don't have them year by year. So, so what, what was it like to come oh. back to see the Indianapolis 500 and soon you come from a town of 1,000 people? It was huge. And I I, I was overwhelmed. And Miss Hershifter was the big star. Do you know who Miss Hershifter? All Lind- she had to do was just bend Linda over. And, yeah, Linda Vaughn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all about that cleavage. And all, I remember I would, I had people coming to me asking me to go get her interview or her autograph, I should say. So I would run over because she was in, we were all grouped in an area. So I was running over to Linda Vaughn to get her autograph for people that were shot with her. They liked her. She was a big star. Big star back then. So you, yeah, went, you, went, you then went to the University of Michigan. Yes, I did. That's right. Because of the football program. <laughs> no, because my dad told me to go there. That was it on that. I'd, all the research I did was, what do you think, Dad? I think Michigan's pretty good. All righty. Let's give it a whirl. So I applied and got in. It was good. Did you study television? No. I took a class. I actually, I, I, after a year at Michigan, I left because uh, I decided to go to University of Colorado for a little while. And I skied out there most of the time, but I did take a television course out at, out there, and I thought it was just not very interesting. So I never really pursued it. So I took some journalism courses. I thought I'd be a writer. I thought I'd be at work for a newspaper. Mm-hmm. That's where I thought I was going. But that's a whole other. Did you meet Mitt Romney's dad when you were in Michigan? The governor, governor at that George point? Romney? I don't remember that. I was at the Michigan legislature in Lansing, but I don't remember. Yeah, because his dad was the governor mm-hmm. probably about that time. That was mm-hmm. the time he would have been governor. Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. So, yeah. Okay. How'd you get into TV? 
I got into radio first, and I uh, was a cocktail waitress at the Ann Arbor Inn, and I wore a low neck sweater and a short skirt. And I got, I, I was serving drinks to this gentleman, and he said, I own this radio station in Ann Arbor called Wham Radio. You want to go to work for it? And I said, I don't know. I just don't know. So I had my, the, the boss of the restaurant sat me down, Bill Marzoni, and he said, take that job. Because I was equivocating, and he mm-hmm. said, take it, do it. So I got the job in radio, and then my mother got involved again and said, what are you doing? You need to move on. You've mm-hmm. done the radio thing. Let's move on. So she found me a job. She found she was looking at the papers back then and said, you could get a job down here. So I went to work at WNDU. That was my first TV job, NDU up in Notre Dame. So Which was owned by the Catholic Church at that time. You got that right. That's uh, right. That's very exactly well-financed right. TV station. That's exactly right. They went to, They converted from film to tape pretty early on because I was looking at film when I first got into the business. But yeah, they, they were yeah, they were progressive. Yep. Good old days at WNDU. How long were you there? Just about a year, a little under a year, and then I switched to another station in, in To the AC. station in Elkhart? That's right, WSJV. And stayed there for about a year. Worked with Phil Langell, Reggie Miller, Betsy Ross, who's now she used to be in she's in Ohio. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> then I, from there I got an interview with Lee Giles and got rejected. And he said, yeah, you can go on back to Elkhart. Good luck with that. <laughs> Why did he reject you? I don't know. Probably I was green. I was real green at the time. Mm-hmm. I was young and 23, four years old. And he was probably looking at me like, yeah, okay, great. Because so I was going to replace uh, uh, a girl here that we had a lot of experience. So, And then he, then he did call me back about a month later, and I came down, and he gave me the job. So and I started on that. I can tell you, Lee, and for those who, mm-hmm. who may not know, Lee Giles was longtime news director at Wish TV. He hired mm-hmm. me as well. And I can tell you, when I was trying to get hired here, I, I sent him a tape of my, my best material, and he sent it back and said, you're wearing a plaid shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't judge you in a plaid shirt. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. I believe you would say that. Yeah, I considered not sending another tape, but I, I said yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the last three stories I did in a white shirt, and yep. whether they're any good or not. And I got hired. Lee was about testing people. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I, I, yeah he only hired Jane Pauley. Mm-hmm. Hit that one out of the park, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. I remember Channel Eight. I was born in '67, so I remember the early '70s. Mm-hmm. Channel Eight with mm-hmm. Jane Pauley. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned before Jim Wilson, mm-hmm. who was a sports director. Yep. Uh, what was it like to come? Indianapolis is bigger than Elkhart, but it wasn't mm-hmm. exactly top five market. No, but I cried when I got here. I cry at everything anyway, but I cry about a lot of stuff. Yeah, I when I drove down here, and I remembered being here when I was 18 for the race, and I drove down Meridian right down this, the main drag, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is big time. For me, that was big time. I was excited and honored and thrilled that I was even given a chance. Down I think in, Indianapolis in those days was— Sleepy? Maybe more sleepy than it is now, but still, it was it was a top thirty market. Yeah, it was a top thirty market. Yeah, top twenty two or three market. It wasn't quite top twenty, but it was big time market. Yeah, what year did you get here? Nineteen eighty, August of nineteen eighty. And you started on the new news. Yes, which Mm -hmm. was big year. In those days, it was preceded by the Price Is Right. That's right. And World Series numbers, basically, it had huge numbers. It's still the number one show on the other CBS station. Always has been. Always huge. Has a huge number of viewers. So you you started out at a pretty big platform. For that, yeah, absolutely. That show is 
Number one, absolutely, absolutely. Right. I was very lucky. You were teamed with Ray Rice, were you? Ray Rice, yeah, Knox and Rice for lunch. The first little ad that ever came out. Yeah, I, he he came to he came to school seventy eight, where I was uh, in oh, fifth or sixth or seventh grade yeah, at the time. Yeah, because we had just won the national chess championship, and he came and played oh. a game with one of my very best friends, and it made it onto the TV. That's the first time Did I get remember beat? him. Yeah, come again? Did he get beat? Yes. <laughs> You'd have to bring that up. <laughs> yes. He had a set of pipes. Just he had a, a very hunch. nice voice. Just a yeah, hunch. Yeah, he yeah. did he did have a nice voice. Yes, yeah. He was from New York. So but I remember New of... News being <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we never switched from Channel 8. Right. It was oh, uh, my we watched the other than Channel 4 in the morning with the mm-hmm. cartoons, but it was mm-hmm. Channel 8 all day long. My mom watched all the CBS. Oh yeah. Soap operas. We watched Mike Ahern on the news Mm -hmm. because we're Catholic and he's Catholic. Exactly. It just really never changed. He had the Catholic audience, that's for sure. On my job interview, I asked what the ratings were, where where the station ranked, Mm -hmm. and Lee said we're number one, and he was talking about the new news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he was. I think you're right about that. (laughs) Because he wasn't talking about the six and the 11. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We struggled. That was a much bigger fight. But the fact of the matter is uh, you moved up to the to the six and the eleven, the, mm-hmm. the five and the ten, back in the days before daylight saving time, mm-hmm. and by the mid nineties, we were not just number one; we were the highest rated CBS affiliate in the mm-hmm. country. Yeah, we were for a while. That's right. That's exactly right. That's um, exactly right. We did really well, but then things changed. <laughs> but it, yeah, but it was. But you're right. We were doing real well. I think you deserve a lot of credit for that. Thank you. That's nice of you, Jim. I you're think listening. You some credit too. You're listening to the Leaders and Legends podcast. Our guest today is Debbie Knox, and our guest host is Jim Shella. I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. Jim, keep going. You're on a roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you throughout your career, you you've primarily been an anchor, but. You became, you got what we call a franchise. You became the medical reporter at one point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That was an easy thing for me since I'm familiar with it and got to meet some pretty interesting people at the IU Med Center and a lot of scientists and researchers and some pretty interesting docs. Yeah, pretty interesting people. Do you use your dad for as a source? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, although he would correct me back in the, when I worked at NDU, I, w- I would I, I said slit, and he said it's not the correct word. He would correct me if he heard me on the on on the radio or on TV. Anyway, so that's just he would correct me on that stuff. But no, I didn't yeah. use my dad as a source. I've learned that parents are very critical viewers. Yeah, <laughs> he could well, be. Yeah. I was gonna oh, I was gonna ask you this later, but I ask you now since we're discussing it because mm-hmm. I was gonna ask about. Quite frankly, how beautiful you are, and oh, if it was a help. Oh my God! But here's the deal. Here again. Here's here, but here's the lead-in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When my mother was watching Channel Eight or Indiana mm-hmm. Week in Review, mm-hmm. and I would try to talk to her while this was happening. Mm-hmm. This is a direct quote. Robbie, mm-hmm. shut up! I'm listening to Jim Shella's eyes. I'm listening to Jim Shella's eyes. Oh. My mother thought Aww. she passed away several years ago, but Aww. my mother thought Jim Shella and his blue eyes was the dishiest yeah. dish on oh. local television. God so, bless your mother. Yeah, that's so, wonderful. So, I, you know what? I was going to include Mr. Shella into the beauty, the beauty contest, the, yeah, how you the, get on TV. Yeah. Well, it's a visual medium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you remember the first time we went to the Lee Giles Christmas party and the game we had to play? 
Do you remember that? You probably, yes. You do yes. you? Where yes. we had, Lee Giles had us play it was, this. What was this thing where you had to It was a balloon, right? A balloon or an orange or something These like were, that? They were like bridal shower parties. Yes. And we were at his Christmas party. And Jim and I had to maneuver a balloon or orange between our bodies. This was weird. Come on. I mean, wasn't that was, weird for me? Yeah. <laughs> it was weird for me. I mean, what are we doing here? Anyway, that's a whole other. We aren't going to go that out was, there. But that was his idea. That you remember? Anyway. No, the Leaders and Legends podcast audience wants to hear these stories. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that actually was the year that, was the year that uh, a general manager decided he couldn't afford to throw a, a station Christmas that's party. That's probably right. And so yeah. the department heads were instructed to throw a party for their right. staff yeah, at right. their house. Right. Yeah, so we had. This crazy game. Yeah. Debbie, do you remember when Jim showed up on the scene? 19 is at 82, Jim? Well, End of 82. Yeah, and I, what I remember, uh, and you always know, is Jim's laugh. That t- precedes everything. Teresa um, Wells didn't. Uh, yeah, there, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Very um, full-throated, fun laugh. Uh, Jim is always, um, Jim took the State House reporting very seriously, and he developed, because he was so dedicated, and he developed great contacts, and he did the most comprehensive reporting we'd ever had. I knew the guy that was before him, Bob Rossback, and Bob was a good guy. I like Bob, but Jim took it seriously, and he got it. You did. That would suggest that Bob didn't. I'm saying that, and I love Bob. I still go to the 500 with him. We buy tickets every year to the 500 together. I'm still friends with him, but you took it very seriously. You were a very serious reporter, and it was... It brought a lot of credibility to our station. I'm, I'm serious. I think that's right. That. Absolutely. I can just tell from my clients yeah. when I would say Jim Shella wants to interview Everybody knows you, him. That, that, that would change the attitude mm-hmm. of whoever, whether it was the mayor, the governor, or a senator, or just clients yep. or whatever. Yeah. They would, feel, quite frankly, they would feel like, okay, I need to be on my game. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a compliment right. to Jim. And Jim's always, is, is, you can get him off camera and you can get some opinions out of him. But even then, he's pretty stingy with opinions. You're pretty, you have always played it right straight down the line with everybody, <laughs> for the most part, really. As a Republican, we're always on the lookout for liberal bias, right? Like, we're always <laughs> right. on the lookout. Yeah. And, uh, everybody's yeah. on the lookout. Especially um, now. <clears throat> yeah. I, not to take this down, down a strange path, but my first wife died in 2019, and I know Debbie's husband died in 2019. That's right. We had a similar experience there, but I have since gotten remarried to someone who is a very ardent Democrat who... It's lovely. <laughs> I believe so, yes. That's, she is. She is. <laughs> but she she gets mad at the fact that I have Republican friends. <laughs> <laughs> Accuses me of being a Republican. Thank no. you, Pat. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> she's. I think she's joking. But <laughs> if she's accusing you. She's yeah. not joking. Yeah, but you have always played a pretty much straight down the line. You've always had back in the day friends on both sides of the aisle, straight ahead. Lots well, of credibility. And but what, I, what I always told people, what I always ahead. told people is that when you're doing political reporting, you don't know what the result of your story is going to be. So if you're trying to slant a story to help out candidate A, you might actually get it wrong and, and mm-hmm. do something that backfires. Mm-hmm. And so you got to play everything straight. Because yeah. uh, if you start trying to mess it up, you end up being Tucker Carlson. It, uh, Who's biased from the beginning. Yeah, but oh right, boy, how's that work gone, out? Yeah, down a dark path. But there's been a lot of political reporters who have gotten out of the media, and then you look at their social media page, mm-hmm. and you go, all right, we were all correct about that one. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I want to ask a question about that. Jim, as political reporter, especially thick skin, 
has to be fair, Mm -hmm. but gets a lot of pushback, gets a lot of calls from his friends, whether it's Mm -hmm. me or Mark Lubbers or Mm -hmm. insert Democrat here. And so as an anchor, are you somewhat insulated from that? Did you get a lot of those calls? I can't believe you said that, so on and so forth. I, I would nothing like what you might have gotten. I did a, I'll, I never forget one time I did a we I did a live shot when Ronald Reagan was coming into town and I was I didn't do a very good job of it and I got the worst nastiest letter I've ever gotten. You were just horrible and it but I can remember that vividly because mm. of how well it was written and how directed how mm. smart it was put together. But I didn't mm. get that kind of I I didn't get that kind of was it signed Rex early? I I, I <laughs> might have been I don't know it was put together though but wouldn't have been all that articulate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now these days you get you can get heat for saying the wrong thing on social media. Uh, oh Lord! I no. used to tell people in the newsroom that a thin skin is better than none, but really not very useful. <laughs> no, in, yeah, in the right. news business. Yeah, yeah. I, I got told to call Jim Shell a hell of a lot more after his story was posted than I did before. Really? Yeah, yeah. Can you believe Shella said this? Damn yeah. it, call him and tell him that's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you never had that sort of thing because no. they just assumed that you didn't do the writing. Or I'm, I wasn't in the line of fire. Jim was mm. more in the line of fire. I'd, we'd intro Jim and mm. Mike and I or whatever, we, whoever was, was Eric and me, mm. but it was always Jim mm. was the guy that that did that reporting and I was a step back from it. And I just, I'm thankfully, I didn't have to, because I was sensitive. Ooh, I'd be all... I, <laughs> Talk about thin skin. I'd be over in the corner sucking my thumb. So I was not cut out to do stuff like that. But uh, Jim is Jim has to. You did plenty though. You you did. You went with me to Chicago. national conventions. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. Went, Chicago went to Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Covered yes. the Republicans in two thousand. Right. Chicago was right. Democrats in ninety six. Just those two. Is that all? I think those are the two that we went. Yeah. All yeah. right. But yeah, uh, but I remember being up there. I remember with Susan By. This is Jim Hester, our friend Jim Hester, photographer. And I was getting ready to do a live shot with Susan, and this was during the convention, and I was so nervous. I had my notepad with me writing down some things that I wanted to refer to. And she said to me, Susan, you know, Susan's an interesting person. I've got, she was a friend. She said, you could put that down. You Put your pad down and just go with it. And Hester, who's this wonderful guy, just said, Susan, leave her alone. <laughs> and so she did and I was so grateful that Jim popped in because I, I needed my little notes because I well, wanted to be sure <laughs> In 92, when Evan Bayh was reelected governor, at the victory celebration, Susan came up to Jim Hester and asked if she, he would allow her to come into the media area because she was tired of dealing with the people. Mm-hmm. So Jim, Jim yeah. had, he, he had a, some history with Susan. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did. Yeah. But I always tell people covering those conventions because yet we were sent to cover the, the local delegation. And... All of their news was made at a breakfast, 8 a.m. breakfast, and then you got to be live on the 11 o'clock news. That's right. It's a long day. People would say, how cool is that going to a national convention? I'd say it's the most fun you can have working 16 hours a day. That's (laughs) Um, true. But you kept up. You did Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. You were nice enough to give me a couple of contacts, and it was like, okay, baby, you're on your own, (laughs) which is cool, which is what Mm -hmm. you need to be doing. And I I did. So I'd chase down people that I semi-knew or that you would say, hey, you might want to talk to this person. So yeah, I enjoyed doing it. That well, we had a lot of fun. We yeah, had a lot we of did. Fun. Although I got to tell the story about how in Philadelphia one night, we're, we're live on the 11 o'clock news, mm-hmm. and we come out, and we're carrying lots of TV equipment, and we had to walk at least a mile to find a cab. 
Yeah. And we're in the middle of that walk when there was a cloudburst. That's right. That's exactly right. And then Bill Fisher. <laughs> Bill Fisher, yeah. news photographer back in the days before telephones, he always had a camera on his belt yep. to, to document mm-hmm. various things. And yeah. he tried to – Debbie was – so not looking my bone. best, not not the so beauty, the beauty queen, not at all. <laughs> Billy Miss tried, Cloud to, burst. No. tried to take a photograph of her, and she threatened to kill him. Yeah, I did, I did. I did. <laughs> so, Bill, you take that picture, I'm going to throttle you right here, right now. And he did put it down. He didn't take he a did, picture. He didn't take the picture. I was ready to, yeah. You are yeah. listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, an Indiana-based public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Garmont Construction. Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and NFP, a national insurance broker with strong local content. I have to remember my articulation from my TV show days in no, the United States good. Army with these two Hall of Famers in front of me. <laughs> oh, uh, no, you're doing a good job. Jim Shell and I are delighted, absolutely delighted to spend some time with yeah. Debbie Knox. Hey, it's and I'm glad to be here. It's very nice to be here with Is you. There, let me ask this question real quick, Jim, mm-hmm. and I'm going to turn back over to you because I always ask this question of mm-hmm. Hoosiers. Yep. Is there a particular Hoosier leader and or legend you admire most? For me? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. This will be a little bit uh, probably controversial, but I thought, felt like there was a lot of layers to this lady. But I thought Josie Orr was a very interesting woman. She was a pilot mm-hmm. and used to fly planes uh, during World War II. She also was an interesting person. I couldn't cut through every layer of that. She had but some I, battles. She did have some battles. God love her. Mm-hmm. And But she talked to me about being a pilot, and I've always remembered that interview and just thought that had to be a brave woman to do that, have that kind of responsibility during the war. And I have a lot of admiration for her for that. I That's a terrific answer. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. No. We, I just for wanted me. to share my other Philadelphia story, which tells you. Do you know what's coming? No, but I have a vibe. <laughs> now you know what it's like to be us when we're just <laughs> waiting know, to be interviewed right. and we have no idea what's coming. Yeah, he's, he's a good teaser, yeah. I've said I was never much of a fanboy. I, I didn't. Ask for autographs or pose for photos of celebrities and whatnot. But we were walking out of the convention hall late one night in Philadelphia, and I saw Tavis Smiley standing in the parking lot, mm-hmm. who then was the biggest thing on PBS. Yeah, he and was a big and, deal. Mm-hmm. And, Are you and grad? I, from Kokomo, so mm-hmm. I thought I'd go up and introduce myself, which I did. And the first thing he said was, is Debbie with you? Oh. <laughs> I said, yeah. she's coming. Hang on just a second. Mm-hmm. And what year is this? 2000. Oh. Yeah. And so I got an opportunity to introduce Debbie to Tavis Smiley. Mm-hmm. And I left them talking and went looking for a cab. <laughs> Four years later, I'm in Boston for the Democratic Convention. I walk into a restaurant and I see Tavis. And I, can, I, I go to say hello. And before I can, he says, is Debbie with you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I wasn't there. Really? Wow. It's the running joke or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, you were the face of Wish TV. I, I it was Mike Ahern and a lot of people who were the face of Wish yeah. TV. So it was that was the way that was. Talk about Mike, Mr. Ahern, as someone who grew up watching him. Mm-hmm. To me, he had. I always say that the the two reporters I've ever worked with or been interviewed by, whom I thought had the most credibility, one was Jim Shella mm-hmm. when it came to politics and government. Right. And the other was Jack Reinhardt when mm-hmm. it came to public safety. Yeah, absolutely. I right. remember we had a public safety director 
rather idiotic one in the Ballard administration <laughs> named Frank Straub. Yeah, I remember Frank. And yeah. Frank wouldn't talk to Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. So Reinhardt called me and said, what's the deal? And I'm like, I'll see what I can do. And I remember telling Frank, so this would have been 2010. Mm-hmm. Frank, you do understand that Jack Reinhardt's sources in your police department today are the sons and daughters of his sources in the police department That's right. That's exactly when he started right. here 40 years ago. Like right. nobody knows more. That's right. But I thought sitting behind the anchor desk, Howard Caldwell too, he's a Howe grad like yeah. me. So, you know yeah. him. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that Mike Ahern and then paired with you just were the ultimate kind of credibility in the news for Hoosiers to take serious and go, I believe what they're saying. Yeah, Mike brought that kind of gravitas to the news desk. And he was 15 years older than me. And he had been, he was also hired by Lee Giles. And Mike was just a smart guy. He was, he was a great writer. and a, But he also, and he took the news very seriously, but he also had this wonderful sense of humor. So working with him was fun. He just, he knew everything. He knew everybody. He was a, just read the news, knew the news, and, and the ultimate news guy. Yeah. But working with him was an absolute pleasure. Because you could laugh and you could you'd look at everything and not be so serious all the time. I miss him. I do miss him. He did seem to. There's one of the things that that we all want to do is to have a personal brand that, you know, makes us money and gets us credibility and mm-hmm. praise. And, and I always thought that he was the most praised TV journalist of my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Where if you said Mike Ahern, you didn't really need to say anything else. Yeah. So how did that help you in your transition from the noon news to now ain't quote unquote big time anchoring here in this market that Mr. that Mike Ahern you guys clicked. Yeah, it just he was he had a lot his ethics were really strong. There wasn't any kind of strangeness about how he approached the news. You talk about Walter Cronkite and, right. and, it, and he's always the the golden idea, but it Mike followed in that uh, that kind of an image or that he had that image in the town, but he also I felt like he lived it and believed in in how news should be approached and presented to the community. And he took it seriously when he was on the air. And I wasn't going to, I respected what he was all about and wanted to emulate it because I was 15 years younger than him. I was the greenhorn, here comes the girl. And at a time when women just started to read the Barbara Walters in the early 70s. It's like, here we go. Here's cutie pie who's up on the set with me. And I've had to earn my stripes and do the kinds of hard work. And, but he did, he welcomed me and we had a great time together, a great time, but he's a good newsman. I was, we were always told it was a rumor that he was much like Richard Luger was Richard Nixon's favorite mayor. Mm-hmm. We were always told, or it was supposed, that Mike Ahern was Walter Cronkite's favorite local anchor. Well, that's interesting. I know he had his picture. He did some promo work with Walter Cronkite mm-hmm. and Carol, oh, what was her name, Jim? Krause. Was, Carol Krause. Carol Krause, yeah. Carol Krause yeah. And, and Mike did promo work. I've, I've seen pictures of the, yeah. the, the three of them together, so yeah. Yeah. Did you ever get an opportunity to, to take a bigger job than Indianapolis? I applied. I I applied for a job in in Los Angeles, but I was pregnant at the time. Can you imagine walking in there and saying, "Here I am. Ooh. You want to hire me?" No. So that that didn't. I didn't make it there. I got a call from Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, but I didn't. You could have been Carrie Lake. 
Yo, oh, geez. <laughs> oh, oh boy, here we go. Right. <laughs> but but I remember a time probably in the 90s where several of us in the newsroom got letters from a, mm-hmm. an agent in Chicago wanting to represent us. Yeah, I get stuff to... like that. Yes, yeah. I remember stuff like that. I had, by that time, I was married. I had children, and yeah. you, you have to make a call. Am I going right. to chase this circus all around, or am I going to raise my family and, and try to be a wife and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing? I had that going on. So that became important. I, plus, I wanted to. I liked Indianapolis. I like Indianapolis. I really I like it. Indianapolis likes you. Yeah, no well, kidding. we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. It's very. There are a lot of people. You do meet a lot of nice people. They're kind. A lot of people have been very kind. But you lived in Irvington for a while. Sure did. The best people in the world. I'm telling you. Yeah, the best people ever. Halloween and the whole thing. Yeah, I know. I, my kids were born when they were born. and We lived in Irvington. Had two homes there on Audubon and Pleasant Run Parkway. It's a great little area. I like that area. Beautiful. It is. You remember the first big you came here? in 80. So there's Blizzard of 78. Oh, yeah. That was in South Bend. Mm-hmm. The Caritzis thing was that before. Was mm-hmm. What was the first sort of big, the Burger Chef murders were before yeah, you, which before I remember. Yeah, Speedway. Uh-huh. Actually, mm-hmm. there's a, a documentary playing at an Australian film festival. Really? It's all about the Burger Chef murders. And who? And they, they are, as soon as they're done with their documentary circuit. Yes. The filmmakers are coming on this podcast. Cool. Because I remember the Burger Chef murders like yesterday. Oh, yeah. That was big. That was, was before big. I got, I, that was yeah. huge. Yeah. But what was, was the first big story you covered, you remember covering here in Indianapolis? There were a bunch of big stories. I worked, I, I did a little police work in the beginning at Jack Norberg, who was killed after he was police mur- officer. He was a police officer. He lived in Irvington right up the street from you. Did he? He lived I- on Ritter. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, my friend Jason Kimmel and I used to deliver his oh, newspapers. Oh, my gosh. Jack Orberg, yeah. Yeah, he was a wonderful guy. Let me He let me come in on a crime scene back mm-hmm. in the day. That would never happen now. But So I, I remember stuff like that. I remember, you know, I, one of the big stories was when that military jet flew into the uh, hotel the out of the airport. Oh, my goodness. That was an all-day deal. Uh, Several days. That was a yeah, big deal. Yeah. There was lots of stories. You know, the Colts yeah. coming into town was massive. Um, Mayor Hudnut, you know, his whole tenure, mm-hmm. the whole city being changed, all the things that went on with that. I mean, it was, there was just, there's so many to, so many to, Butler winning, and this is much later, 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. getting up to the national spotlight, that sort of thing. So there's been a lot of great stories. What do you, what, what, all the, Mayor Ballard beating Peterson, that was huge back mm-hmm. when that happened. It was just, there's a lot of great big You really stories. did think that Peterson was going to be mayor for life. Yeah, As long as he wanted to. Because yeah. he came on the podcast. Yeah. And Jim wasn't a part of that one, but I was at state party in Republican, Indiana Republican Party at, as comms director at the time. And he, we had to beat him up a little bit. Yeah. Because that's our job. Mm-hmm. And I just remember telling him, I thought he was, a, really was, Peterson was a fantastic mayor for seven and a half years. And then it just all went kind South. of a confluence of events for him. But, and a miscalculation or two. Yeah. yeah. Boy, but he was tax he, thing. We really did. I remember Republicans in Marion County were just like, he's going to be mayor as long as he wants. And then Michael Connor, mm-hmm. your, who would have been your neighbor on Lover's Lane, yeah, was going to yeah, be yeah. mayor as long as he wants. It was a huge story. You don't think about it much now, but it was yeah. big. Yeah. Yeah. Those are huge stories. Yeah. They're, I mean. What about on a personal <clears throat> interest level? Do you remember you had the health beat? Yeah. You, you, know, you look, I watch reporters interview and I don't know how they get through it, especially if they're parents. And you and I are both lucky mm-hmm. to have beautiful daughters named Anna. Yeah, that's right. Very good. And you're in a pediatric 
cancer patient or something like that. You're interviewing yeah. someone who knows that the time is coming. I, How do you get through those things? Yeah, I, the, the one that gets to me the most is I, I, a guy that I covered who lived on the south side, lived next a house down from his parents, and he came down with a blood cancer. And he did not have coverage for the kind of treatment that he needed. And I followed the family as they were battling the insurance company. And I interviewed the guy. And he was he went to IUPUI, graduated, put himself through school, just a, a good man, and took care of his parents. And then he died. And he never got the treatment that he really needed because he just didn't, the insurance didn't mm-hmm. line up. And I went to his funeral at Holy Rosary, I think Holy Rosary down on the south side, I think mm-hmm. it was. And I just, that's when it really, that whole issue hit me hard of seeing somebody struggle and not, and the whole insurance health, this is before mm-hmm. Obamacare and all that, they're starting to talk about health care coverage and that sort of thing. And I saw this man and his family on the phone crying, but he, we got this, we did, we, and I, I just stood there when we did the story. I never forget that. I saw how hard in the stress these people went through. Let me ask another question, maybe mm-hmm. along those same lines, Yeah, because it's actually popped up in social media and I think there's an anniversary. I don't know if it's birth or death. Ryan White. Oh yeah, that was massive. Yeah, that was huge. I did one. Of, I did probably one of the first interviews with Ryan White. You want to hear the backstory on that, please? So we because it also came up a yeah. lot with Coach Knight's passing a month ago and how he embraced literally and figuratively Ryan White yes. and his family. Ryan White, yeah, he had came. He was first. He was came down with diag- or AIDS. And anyway, we were doing a, a segment called Wish Kids back then. And so uh, we would interview young kids that were usually terminally ill, and they would get their wish. And I think there's some sort of form of that organization still in place. Make-A-Wish Foundation. Make, yeah, it was the Wish Kids that we, that we did. But so anyway, I, just, I met, I got this name of this young man, and Ryan White and his mother, and they were going to meet me out at the Indianapolis Museum, or in, at the, the Motor Museum out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Mm-hmm. So I got out there. I did not know what his fatal illness was. And his mom and Ryan, he had a little puppy with him. And I did the interview when we were talking. And then the mother said, he has AIDS. And this was when there was a lot of fear around AIDS. He was nope. how old? He was, oh, God. 10? 10 years old. He was really He got young. a third transfusion. Yes, is that he correct? did. Yes, he did. He got AIDS through a transfusion. He, he's a hemophiliac. I came back with this story. And this is, I, I go to Lee Giles. I go, Lee, I met this young man at the museum out at the Motor Speedway. And we were all over the place. And should we air this or how should we handle this? And we were so nervous at that point about putting the speedway in this focus and this, the eight, we didn't know how AIDS was being transmitted. There was a lot of fear around it. And so we decided to sit on the interview because we were so nervous at that point. It was way before it all became well known how it was transmitted. And I've always felt bad about that because he was a sweet kid. He was real nice. His mother was very nice, but there was so much paranoia and fear about how could people breathe it and get it? As it turns out, he did a, an awful lot to dispel that. Yes, he, he did. did. Thank God. Yeah, absolutely. So, did you eventually air the story? I don't think we did. I think that we hang, we hung on to it, and it just as time went on, and I did other wish kid stories. I don't think we ever got back to it. But I did that interview with him. It was <laughs> one of those moments in your career. You go, oh, man, I wish I could have rethought that one. I wish we could have been braver. I wish that we could have done something differently back then. That may then. have been back when it was called GRID. 
I don't know. Gay related immunity disorder or something like that. Yeah. It was before he was expelled from schools. It was before all that hit. And it was a hard, that was a very difficult time and a bad decision. I feel bad about it. We have a few more minutes with legendary anchor Debbie Mm -hmm. Knox, recently Mm -hmm. retired. Jim, keep the questions going, and then I'll ask her the five questions. (laughs) We've talked mostly about your time at Wish, but Mm -hmm. you you retired from Wish in 2013. That's right. right. And then you went back to work at WTTV. That's correct. In 2015? 2015, January 1st. Mm -hmm. When you, I thought it was a brilliant move on their part because Wish TV lost the CBS affiliation. They got it and they hired you Mm -hmm. to be their anchor on Mm -hmm. day one when they had the CBS affiliation. And so for people at home who don't pay attention Mm -hmm. as closely as some of us, they just knew that you were the the local face of the CBS affiliate. That's right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I still ha- hear from people who they think they're watching Channel 8. Right? That's right. That's what I got all the time. Oh, I see you on Wish TV all the time. I was there eight years. I still get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a brilliant move on their part. The question, why did you make that move? I retired and I had some time off. I was, when I retired in, at the end of 2013, I was tired. I'd been here 33 years. And so I thought, kind of, let's take, give it a rest here. I'm going to take my little pension and I'm going to stay home now. <laughs> After eight months, I'm like, well, maybe I've, maybe I still got it in me to do this. I still like news. I, I love news. I love reporting. I like all of it. So they, I got a call from Mark Patrick. <clears throat> he says, you're not going to believe what happened. And he said, CBS has just changed from Wish to WTTV. And I went, wow. And then I got a direct message from Bob Donaldson, who said, hey, would you take a meeting with uh, Carrie Cavanaugh? And I thought, always take the meeting, always take the meeting. So I just met her and, and it started working out. And she was very, we had to be honest about the non-compete, which was still in effect. That's what happened. I just, okay, I've got the, I've still got it, still got it. I'll, I'll go back to work. Why not? You know, so so, so you went from taking early retirement to going back to work and, and taking yeah. late retirement. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. I am a geezer now. It is time. It is time. Yes, that's right. But it worked out pretty well. It worked out pretty well. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. What what caused you to stay on as long as you have? Uh, I I got the chance over there to do reporting that I enjoyed doing, and I did some pretty important stories, especially toward the end after we got through COVID. You know, it was an environment where I just thought this is it's, it's still fun. It's still fun. There's st- I, I'm still as time went on, it's like time to go, but I, it was still fun. I like doing it. You were in Indianapolis TV for 42 years, is right. that right? Mm-hmm. And for most of that time, the the most recognizable. Female anchor, if not before anchor. me, there was a lot. There's a lot of people that are very well known too. I just ran into Ann Ryder. I'd think she'd give me a race. When, and Barbara Boyd back in the day at Channel Six. Uh, and, nobody that matched your longevity. Maybe not. I don't. Barbara Boyd's still alive. I know she was. There. She, yeah, I don't but she, she hasn't been on TV for. A I've been trying yeah. to get her on the podcast. You should yeah. get her. Yeah, she's she, pretty. She, sure. You want to do it with me? Yeah, sure. She's a great lady. Oh, no, she is. Yeah, she's. Yeah. What I'm getting at is when when you're in a position like that, you become a target. There were mm-hmm. there were a lot of young ladies who came into Wish TV mm-hmm. with a goal of replacing Debbie Knox. <laughs> a couple of them, yeah. I dodged a couple of bullets, I know. You, and you know who's firing those bullets, Jim. Yeah, man. Yes, sir. Was that is that something... Badge of honor? <laughs> yeah. Is that something you enjoyed or is it something you, mm-hmm. you that you didn't like? Made me real nervous, I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> I knew what, was, what could be happening and I thought I've... 
try to keep just keep my head down, keep working, and don't give them an excuse to fire me. And so they that was the way it, that was my idea. Don't give them any ammo to do anything bad. So keep moving forward and. <laughs> And hopefully the other guy screws up, and they did. And then I stayed on. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to bring up is the showbiz aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Because I know for years, Wish TV employed a, an image consultant. Who, oh, <laughs> who would, Diane Harris. Who would come to town from North Carolina and mm-hmm. take you shopping. Yes. <laughs> yes. God, Jim. You know too much. The problem is he doesn't forget anything. I know. He doesn't. I know. Isn't that the truth? Diane Harris was our image consultant, and she was, yeah, she would. She was hired by Lee Giles uh, and whoever to take me out shopping, and she was had this very deep voice. She would say, Jim, you need to get rid of the plaid shirts. Only go with a white shirt. You have a popping top. She had that kind of affect. Right. But she cleaned me up, though, because I was getting some bad. I was getting some nasty letters about some of the outfits I did have really? on. Oh, God, yes. Too revealing? Too- you no, know, I, I had a dress that was. I had a red bow on it, and I looked like Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse or something. And I got letters about that one. I was like, why don't you drop that? That looked goofy. But Diane cleaned up my act and got me on a plan. That, but she well, was, I, I will, she, I will I say, say, Diane yeah. once told me I needed to lose weight and, yeah uh, she was that way well, yeah she wouldn't do that anymore she's out of the business now so right but she then she came back months later and looked at me and said you you look great what did you do and the answer yeah. was i bought bigger shirts <laughs> i was gonna say i did i do have to admit that when i was reading about you just to refresh my memory mm-hmm. debbie about so many things and i googled you mm-hmm. and then there's the opportunity to click on the pictures Oh, Lord. I, I, I know. I was the, up and down. You always looked beautiful, we, uh, but it was just the hairstyles oh, that were changing. I was I just know. like going, I, oh. I, I cannot make that part. There was a going away. There was a going away party years ago for a reporter. And as a parting gift, he was given uh, Debbie Knox hair color ring toss. <laughs> yeah, right. I, was, I was changing my hair color every freaking month. I know I was. Do it myself, hire somebody, whatever, just make it different. It was like, and the creative services people are, stop, we can't keep up with this because they're trying to shoot promos and my hair's changing all the time. God. You uh. mentioned Bob Donaldson. You also had, yeah. there's got to be some others who you admire, who you worked with or on other stations. And then, what was it like the first time? Mark Patrick, who we're trying to get oh. on the podcast. Oh, you haven't gotten him yet. No, I'm yeah, trying really hard. You know, really he's living hard. in Carmel now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying really hard and yeah. working through his son, Drew, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that'd but, be great. Um, that'd be great. It's funny, too, because I used to referee basketball, and, and yeah. Mark Patrick used to yell at me. I'll bet. Uh, I'll back, bet. Back in the day. I'll bet. Anyway, what was it like the first time he said, call it, or whatever yeah, he said? it was Debbie Knox, you make the call. Mm-hmm. And that got me a lot of pub. I couldn't have been in parades where people will yell that out at me. 20 years after I was doing that stuff, he just had a fun, he's funnier than we all know and can be cruel too, but he was very funny. And so anyway, he just got this gig going where he would put baseball highlights on and I wouldn't see it ahead of time. And I'm just, you know, sitting there like a goof, girl goof and Debbie Knox, you make the call. And I, I would try to do it. Did he tell you the the first time? Did he ever? Never, never. That was all just happened in the moment. Yeah. And it was in a, he had a great sense of humor and he pulled it off and it, it worked. It got me a lot of publicity. I'm shocked even to this day how people remember that. Debbie Knox, you make the call. And then he did all these other bits too. 
too. He was he's a funny he, he's, guy. He's funny. Definitely. He's a very and funny and extremely funny on Bob very, and Tom, obviously. Yes. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. about were there other? You mentioned Barbara Boyd. Were there other people who you like? Gosh, they it, get it right. Whether they're an anchor, it could be radio, it could be you Fred Heck, Russ McQuaid. Russ McQuaid is uh, he's been at Channel Fox Fifty Nine forever. He's a Detroit guy that came in and just wouldn't take no for an answer, and he's there. He got, they fired him and he just stayed. <laughs> he just wouldn't leave. You got to get him sometime. He's got lots of stories too. Anybody with great stories or is, is awesome. I, I am a fan. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. You know who I think? Yeah. Russ, when when I worked in Grand Rapids, Michigan, before I came here, Russ was our stringer at in oh, Kalamazoo. Yeah. There's yeah, been a lot yeah. of people who've come here first and then gone to other stations. Mm-hmm. Did Angela Ganote start here? No, Sandra, I, Chapman? I don't Sandra Chapman? Sandra Chapman, Chapman was here. And Raphael? Uh, Raphael interned here. His name was Ray then. Ray Sanchez. Yeah, Ray Sanchez. <laughs> That's, That's right. back in the day. That's right. yeah. He's a good guy. Right. Yeah. He's got a hell, he's a great, he's got a hell of a brand. Yes, he, speaking of personal talk brand. About, you got that. This Russ McQuaid. Yes, you're absolutely right about that. He Sanchez does. Matter of fact, he Russ does. and... Russ, Raphael's not technically, he's a reporter, but he does a lot of anchoring. I think Russ may be the only straight up non-anchor who's still in the market who was here when I was working for Mayor Ballard. Mm -hmm. There's been so much Yeah, change and change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, yeah. Russ is a great reporter. He's done a great work. Ruth Ann Gordon? Ruth Ann has been a survivor. We love. Yes, we do. And they love her over at CBS4. (laughs) And uh, it's all, she's she's a great person. She works very hard. And she still, she just signed a new deal. So she's going to be there a little while longer. Oh, that's great. Yeah, good for her. She works hard. I miss Mary. There's a lot of, Leslie Olson was great. We had a lot of good. Mary Mills, you mean? Mary Mills. No, Mary. Mary McDermott. Mary, Mary McDermott. I didn't know Mary Mills as well, but Mary McDermott was terrific. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. Mary. A lot of yeah. good people came. Yeah, too. a lot of good people. Yeah. Jim, we've reached the point of no return. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to ask the five questions of your dear friend? Sure. Okay. You have memorized. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty close. Okay. But, uh, and you've heard the five questions. I have heard the five Debbie questions. Debbie listens oh, to the podcast. Yeah, God love her. That's right. I bought yeah. a book after listening to your podcast. <laughs> you and you and Toby McClamrock are the ones who reach out to me. Toby reach out to me the most oh. about this and that. Oh, hey, all right, here we go. What was your first job? First job was working at, I was a babysitter back in the day, but the first job, real job, was working at the little store on the lake that I lived on. And I also worked early on as a, a car hop at an outdoor restaurant where people, that sort of thing. So on, car on roller skates? No, thank God. That would have been, that would have been <laughs> no, I didn't do it on roller skates. Uh, what was your first concert? The Association cherishes the wood. that sort yeah. of song and i saw it at the north side gym in elkhart indiana you and it? terry curry and mitch daniels really terry curry and mitch daniels had the exact same first concert love and the, spoonful and the association oh at my, clues hall oh they saw it at clues i saw this at north side gym wow. that's way back in the day. yeah wow 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 if mitch you daniels. could suggest a book for someone to read mm-hmm. which book would you recommend Tim Egan's book, <laughs> this one about D.C. Stevens. I'm just getting. I was D. just D. doing D.C. Stevenson. Yeah, I, there's there's a lot of fever them out in there. the heartland. It's yeah, fabulous. It's yeah. You you were you gave it high reviews. I went out and yeah, that's the one I'd recommend right now. I think it's great. It sounds like it's going to be great. It'll 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 make you a little bit sad about your state. Yeah. All right, well, things have changed considerably, yes, but yeah, it'll things, still still make you a little bit sad. Yeah, hmm. All right. Well, question number four: If mm-hmm. you could witness any event in history, be there. In person as it happens, mm-hmm. what event 
would you choose? Uh, I'd like to see, and I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Elon Musk, but if they can land on Mars, I would love to be alive for that. Well, I think we're we're asking about something that's already happened. Already happened? Yeah. You can oh. witness any event in history, be oh. there in person as it happens. Oh. I would have loved to seen been on the USS Missouri when they mm. signed the, the peace agreement with the Japanese. The Japanese I would like to have seen. We, we went out to Pearl Harbor, was it last year or year before? And I got to stand on the ship and see where that all happened. And I love anything World War II. So I would, loved, I would have loved to have seen that. I have a podcast coming up with a professor, Brendan Sims, yeah. who wrote a book about Hitler's decision to declare war on the United States. Oh. It's a incre- it's an incredible book, which I will buy and send to you hey, as just, a thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, I would love to, I'm all about that sort of stuff. I, I, that fascinates me. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would love to see that. Final question. Mm-hmm. If you could have dinner with anyone living today, two mm-hmm. hours off the record, who would you choose? I'd like, to, I'd like to have dinner with Barack Obama. I think Barack Obama would be, I know everybody. I've You've had, met him. I've met him a couple times, yeah. We had brief little conversations and stuff. I, I really wish he could, I'd like to hear his thinking about the politics of today and if he's feeling positive, negative, or what he sees. I think he's a fairly astute guy. And He's the most, he's the most popular answer for that question. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh, I'm I think not George very... W. Bush is probably number two, but yeah, Barack he... Obama, and it's not close. He's really yes, frequently. Yeah, Who else well, have you have a list here of people you've interviewed? Yeah. Bill Clinton, yeah, Secretary of State, briefly, Madeleine yeah. Albright, Colin Powell. Very briefly when they were at Clues, yeah, just mm-hmm. quick and dirty kind of little mm-hmm. interviews. You met um, Mikhail Gorbachev? Yes, that was uh, with my old buddy Jim Hester. He chased him down in Beverly Hills by way of Diane Simon, who is the ex-wife of Herb mm-hmm. Simon. Didn't get the interview, so I was so disappointed coming back. But I get, I got him when he came to Butler, and he was a friend of uh, the Simon family. So I got him went, uh, when he was here. It was a very slow, boring interview. He would not speak English. He would only go through his translator. And he, he spoke about the ecology and some of the issues that Russia was facing mm-hmm. uh, through Green Cross, which is what he was part of with the Simon. Yeah. So, yeah, he was an interesting guy. Yeah, pretty interesting guy. And he hates hated by Russians now. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jim, do you have a parting mm-hmm. thought on Ms. Debbie Knox? What we didn't ask is, are you going into full retirement now, or do you have anything planned? That's the, that's the game plan, yeah. Oh, no, I've six full... Saturdays and a Sunday. Like... Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's about right. That's six Saturdays and a Sunday, that's exactly what it feels like. How do you like retirement? I mean, you've still got your foot I got my finger in a few things, yeah. but yeah, uh, retirement's good. Retirement's yeah, retirement good. is good. It's a whole different, even in the last month, I'm like, it's the time thing is so different to not be, okay, it's noon, i got to get ready, got to get all yeah. that stuff, the deadlines. Well, I'll be 56. In two days. Happy birthday. My retirement is you got a little way. You're going to yeah. take the day off? No. To we're... hopefully record a podcast, a history podcast. But yeah, it takes oh. take some time. It's, it's one thing. I was listening to you both talk about retirement and then we'll end the podcast that it's when you start to get older. Yes. You spend, I spend a lot of time shaking my head going, like I have two grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that this can't possibly be. I know it's weird, isn't it? This it's isn't, not going to happen, but it does. I remember my mother was in her twenties, <laughs> and here I am in my fifties. And you just think about it. But what yeah. you want to do, as hopefully I'll be able to do, specifically with veterans, is to leave a mark and impact. And Debbie Knox, Aww. you have left <laughs> an impact Aww, on well, this you. city. Thanks. You have done so much for so many, so much. Um, 
for charity, so much oh. in conjunction with Anthony Calhoun here yeah. at Wish TV. He got that going. That golf outing thing is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he kicked that into high gear. I give him credit. So, You have been yep. listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, an Indiana-based public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Garmont Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and NFP, a national insurance broker with strong local content. As always, all our podcast interviews are dedicated to the legacy and generosity of P.E. McAllister, the man. Yeah. Debbie and Jim, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's so much fun. Hey, thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. And you're going to co-host a few with me? Yeah, I sure will. If you need the help, I'd be glad to help out. Absolutely. Thank you very much for listening to Leaders and Legends, brought to you by Veteran Strategies Incorporated. If you want to contact us about this program or our menu of public relations services, please send us an email at robert at veteranstrategies.com. That's robert at veteranstrategies.com.